I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Great to have you here on this cold Monday. I know it's cold probably where you're at. In Texas, it's really cold, and we're not used to that. Uh, but like many of you, I spent the weekend, you know, bundled up inside uh, and, and watching football. And in fact, um, the uh, Dolphins-Chiefs game was the coldest game ever uh, up at Arrow, Arrowhead. And uh, I've been up there on a cold football game in December. But, man, what they had was was ridiculous. And, in fact, I, I have a, a picture. Here you go. This is a, the Chiefs game. So you can see the snow is before the game. So they're out there. And, and they're, they're bundled up. And that was kind of fun to watch. Uh, but here in Dallas, um, we had our Dallas Cowboys gear to, uh, to keep us warm uh, uh, despite the cold. And I actually have a photo of that, too. So um, there you go. That's what we did. And my guest cannot see the photo. Uh, it's a bonfire. So that's that's where all the Cowboys gear went was into the fire the way they the way they played. But okay, we're not talking about football uh, today. I just thought you would enjoy that. Um, we are talking about uh, what begins today, tonight in Iowa. Uh, the the caucusing. I was trying to explain what a caucus is to my wife, and I did a terrible job, and she just still looked at me like I don't know what's going on. But bottom line is is we actually begin the political process we're not talking about anymore. It starts today. And for a lot of Christians, they just don't care or they think politics is dirty. We should just stay out of it. Uh, not not the case with our guest today, and me either, by the way. Uh, my guest uh, is Christy Chavers Stutzman. She has a book out now called The Spiritual Price of Political Silence. Uh, what does she mean by that? What really is our role? And, you know, Christy is someone who has done it. She's been a state representative in the state of Indiana. She's authored legislation. Uh, she's worked with public policy. Uh, her husband uh, has been in the U.S. Congress and is running again, uh, Marlon Stussman, up in Indiana. So if you're voting up there, a connection for you. Uh, but she is um, making the case, I believe, that as Christians, we, we should influence every area of culture, including politics. So we're going to talk about that today. And this applies, uh, Judy, to you up in Canada as well, because this is, if this is a Christian calling, it's not just an American one. It's all over the world. So, Christy, great to have you on Life Today Live. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you. So let's kind of bounce off the book a little bit, uh, because it's an interesting title, um, both in, in, in the idea of political silence, which is what a lot of Christians revert to. They just don't vote. They stay out of it because no candidate is perfect. In fact, some of them are pretty rotten. Uh, but but you, you talk about a spiritual price. What, right. what, what do you mean by that? Well, when you look at our culture today and just the American landscape and what we're facing, uh, we definitely are in a moral decline. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, the book is written to my fellow Americans who are people of faith, and that's non-denominational people who uh, adhere to the Judeo-Christian founding principles upon which America was founded. Um, and I think right now there are a lot of people who are either frustrated or angry or concerned, at least, um, about the culture that our kids are being raised in. And we're starting to see 
um, the results of the people of faith in America uh, refusing to be part of the political process. And there has been a a section of people of faith just walking away and saying, you know, it's too dirty, it's too divisive, it's too too corrupt. Um, All of the above is correct. And I would say, (laughs) yes, they have a legitimate gripe about that. Uh, But at the same time, when you look at the price we're paying, um, there are it's multifaceted. So when you look at our children and the the culture they're being raised in and the lack of truth uh, that they're being presented with, the the lies, the misinformation that they're being given about not just our founding, but about God, about basics of mm-hmm. faith. Um, there is a high, you know. It, raised there there's been an increase in teen suicide there's been an increase in drug addiction there's been an increase in self-harm um there has been divisiveness uh in the in the public arena to the point where uh you know you have keyboard warriors you know who are going fighting against each other there's no civility anymore so we're paying a spiritual price that way but we're also paying a spiritual price on the grounds of the world is watching. And I talk about this in my book where um, we have led the world. We have been a light to the world. In fact, I had a guide over in Israel when my husband and I first visited on a congressional delegation trip uh, who said he was not religious at all. He was a citizen of Israel but uh, and Jewish by birth, but he was not a practicing Jew. But he looked at us and he said, I just want you to know that in Matthew 5 and the Beatitudes, when Jesus told people to be a light to the world and salt and light in the world, that you have done, America has done this thing that Jesus said, you've Mm. been this light to the world. And I want to ask you to please don't stop. Mm. I realized that, you know, America across the the history of of America for the last, what, two centuries or more uh, has has done that. We have fulfilled the mission that uh, the Pilgrim Fathers, that the Quakers, that, you know, all these people came came here seeking religious, asylum mm-hmm. um, and wanting to practice their faith without persecution. Uh, we have fulfilled that around the world and it's a responsibility that we have as Americans. Um, and we're paying a price for that because guess what? It's not happening as much anymore. We're not going to have that freedom anymore. So if we walk away from our responsibility, we're not going to have the opportunity to raise our children in freedom and in faith. And we're also not going to have a chance to be a light to the world. I think uh, a lot of people are seeing it now up close and personal because it's one thing to go okay you know dc is a swamp you know there there, there's so much corruption and there is you know um government the graft the favoritism all that kind of stuff but it's all for most people it's 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 out there or maybe okay in the capital in in the state in which i live uh you know so here we would be like oh austin they're crazy down there right um (laughs) and even though i mean mean, that's not a statement against governor abbott or anything like that i actually think he's doing a good job it just feels like far removed it feels far removed that's that's exactly right it's Mm -hmm. in the schools now and and in the in the cities now it's in our public libraries in our school libraries it's in the curriculum it's in the you know the transgender movement that is like in very conservative i mean our south lake carol the, the over here is like the most conservative area and they've had all sorts of problems because of a lot of outside money outside people coming in right. funding they get one or two people in key places and mm-hmm. and then they start shoving the stuff that is anti-biblical forget right. set the politics aside it is not biblical it is not godly uh, and most people don't like it 
Right. Um, are you seeing a little bit of a rebound in interest in politics from Christians because it's it's hitting it's hitting the homes now? Right. No, we are, and you're seeing. You know, like Moms for Liberty, there's uh, TPUSA, there's Prager uh, University, there's all these things popping up. And I think it is in reaction to uh, the over-aggressiveness yeah. of the cultural Marxist humanist movement that has been in our country actually for a, a century. Yeah. Uh, as I did my research for this book, I realized that America was targeted by cultural Marxists uh, almost 100 years ago. And when they came to this country, there, you know, of course, the next civilization always has their the humanist chance to create their own utopia, right? So mm -hmm. their whole goal is to be transhuman. Uh, their whole goal is to do away with any type of authoritarian structure, and that includes the family unit. Mm -hmm. So any type of, of authoritarian structure, they are against. Um, they are all for man's own evolution into transhumanism, whether that's digital domination of whatever. I mean, it's really messed up. But what they've done is they've targeted um, not just our schools, which, again, they, they articulated in their letters and their writings that they were going to target our children, um, starting in the universities, but it's gone all the way down yeah. to the kindergarten. Yeah. Uh, but they have also targeted key positions in leadership. So the left has targeted Secretary of State's offices. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they run our elections. Yeah. Uh, they want to do away with any type of you know, integrity in our elections. Um, so every position, school boards are the front lines uh, right now in this battle for the American you know, soul. And so you see people that are actually so concerned that they're jumping out of their comfort zone and they're saying, all right, you know what? I'm going to run for this office and I'm going to make a difference. And, and that's really what we need right now, because if we walk away and say it's so ugly, it's so divisive, it's, it's, it's corrupt, then how do we expect people who are not of faith to lead in righteousness? Yeah. Uh, we have to be at the table. Yeah. And you know what's interesting is a lot of people say, well, I don't have any political experience. I, I don't. But then we complain about career politicians. Right. <laughs> if you don't know anything about politics, but you're just a concerned parent or citizen, um, can you still actually have an impact or do you have to have some some level of political experience? I had none. Zero. <laughs> nada. I was a fine arts teacher and a music composer. So <laughs> I'm not coming from a world of, you know, politics and, you know, studying law and civics and everything else. Now, I loved American history and I had a father who raised me to know our Judeo-Christian founding and, you know, the whole story of the pilgrims and, you know, the war for independence and everything. But uh, I never really paid attention to how a bill becomes law. Mm. So uh, if I can serve as a state representative, I tell you anyone can. And what you bring to the table is more than what you realize. If you run a small business, uh, if you've raised money for a nonprofit, mm. uh, if you have had to make decisions on a budget, uh, you are qualified. And that's the beauty of our American system is that you don't have to come from a royal lineage you don't have to have, you know, the name Duke behind your name. You, you, you don't have to have a certain amount of money. Uh, America's beauty is the fact that the power lies in we the people. 
And so as I learned, you know, as my husband stepped into running for a state representative seat, I found that my experience in raising money for nonprofits came in handy because I knew how to raise money. I know how to you know, organize a dinner or write a letter or, you know, walk in a parade or organize a group to knock on doors. So it really is more more. It's, it's easier than you think. And there's practical ways to get involved and as you get involved and it takes time takes extra time but as you get involved and you attend those school board meetings and just watch it happen or you attend a commissioner's meeting or you go to a coffee you know for a candidate uh you'll find that oh well i have the gift of hospitality i could host a coffee like that i could invite some friends over um that's america and that's the beauty of our system and it's still intact and that gives me hope it, it is and I, I i appreciate you saying that because i think people need a little encouragement sometimes and you know the the uh, entry level is is fairly low, and that's actually where we need the most people, such as like a school board, yes. right? Um, yes. It doesn't take that much, and you'll probably find that you know somebody that knows a little bit about it if you don't know anything about right. it, and, and they're more than willing to help. Um, yeah. How are are you optimistic on America still, or do you think it's too far gone? Well, I started this this study, this deep dive study, uh, with a little fear and trepidation about what I would find, right? Yeah. So I'm studying the the roots of cultural Marxism and the, the roots of critical theory. Mm. Uh, and what I found was, yes, we've been targeted and it's been pretty aggressive. And in the last decade, it's become more aggressive. I mean, the sexual re revolution was not the beginning. Mm. The beginning was back in the 1920s and 30s when you had um, intellectual elites thinking they knew better than the, the average man. And they were looking for the next civilization to experiment on with their utopian ideas. Mm. Um, so that was a little intimidating to me, but what I found was hope and the hope is that the structure is still in place for us to be able to make a difference. And I can give you a case in point. Uh, my husband ran as a 24 year old for the state representative seat, won by 249 votes. So you can't tell me every vote doesn't count. Hmm. I've seen races won by less, much less. Yeah. Um, and so every vote counts. That's beautiful. Um, the other thing, and especially on the local level is that we have the ability to actually talk to candidates and to know them personally, to get involved in their campaigns. There's no limitation on what we can do. That's what is, is uh, encouraging and hopeful to me, uh, that a, a composer and a music teacher can decide, I'm gonna get involved in a campaign and I'm, I'm gonna be uh, the fundraising aspect of it, or I'm gonna host a coffee. As you get to know those candidates, you have the ability to vet people mm. on the local level, whether it's commissioner, uh, town council, city council, school board, all those frontline positions who are dealing with their neighbors and friends and neighbors like every day with, you know, getting the calls of somebody didn't pick up my trash can today. So those people serving on the front lines are making budgetary decisions that are huge. Yeah. Uh, they're also, if you vet them right and they have your same worldview and you list your priorities, okay, I am a pro-life voter, I'm a pro-Second Amendment, I'm a pro-First Amendment, I want to support these types of issues in a, in a candidate. If you vet them early, just get just just count on the fact that those people will eventually run for the next level. Right. So a school board member is going to write for, run for city council. So if you think you're voting for a school board member today who's not going to deal with First Amendment issues, 
be aware that they're probably going to run for the next level up. And in that position, they probably will. Mm -hmm. The other thing too, is the fact that you will have a personal connection with them mm -hmm. and you will be able to hold them accountable as a friend, as a citizen, but also as the boss, because we, the people are still the boss. And so if we decide this person is not doing a good job, then we can be part of a campaign to try to take them out and put another person in that position. So good. And they, the, the left, the Marxist, the neo-Marxist, however you want to phrase it, um, they, they play a long game. And they do. we don't always do that. The good news is that from a, you're, you're talking clashing worldviews here. You're talking about a Christian worldview, and you're talking about uh, you know, a very ungodly, anti-God worldview. And, and the good news is that we know that we win in, in the long term. Right. But there is this battle in the short term, and, and I think abdicating our role in that uh, is a really detrimental and, and sort of a classic mistake on the part of Christians to you know just become a, 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 almost a monk societal monk off in our own little corner a little bubble yeah and, and you know when the guys with the sword show up they don't care if you if you're dressed you know like right. someone in the church they slot you in anyway um and it, we're you know we've we've kind of been beating a lot of that All right, i want to show people your book again real quick this is the spiritual price of political science silence rather um and and I, we just we just have to stop. And I think a lot of Americans are are waking up. Let me ask you this because you talk about close elections. I got in trouble recently from some Christians, some supporters of, of the ministry, a a supporter I should say, um, uh -huh. because I referenced twenty uh, twenty elections where uh, that that they were what what did I say controversial um, and illegally uh, changed processes, right? And and that person called me a liar and then said you 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 saw it when trump supporters stormed the white house and i went the white house anyway <laughs> i missed that part so it was, it's kind of funny to be called a liar by someone who's throwing obviously wrong it's facts a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the but here, here's what i think a lot of people don't know is is that you talk about the secretary of states you talk about local judges in states that don't have the authority which i think is most of them to change election law that changed election law because of covid in, you know, in 2020. Um, and, and I do think that made a difference. And, and I think, you know, some of the mail-in ballots, uh, it's funny how the, the, the media has flipped their narrative on the mail-in ballots because when it was military people mailing in ballots, they were against it. Right. But when suddenly it's, we don't know who's mailing in these ballots, we're just going to count them all anyway. Um, they're okay with that. Yeah. A lot of Christians, and, and if this is not you, just bear with me, okay? I don't mean you, Christy. I mean, you're if you're watching and you're like, that's all conspiracy theory. Let me ask the question, okay? Do, can we trust the elections? That's my question. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Well, um, I think there have been a lot of secretaries of state across state across the uh, the country um, who have been targeted by the left for sure. Mm -hmm. But there has been a resurgence of the. Um, I guess you would say the right. It would be people who truly believe in, in election integrity have run for those offices and have worked very hard over the last few years to try to create um, protections yeah. and keep those ballots sacred uh, because they see that it is under attack. Mm -hmm. So there is definitely a battle. There's a divide in the country right now as far as whether the elections are secure. Now, 
Um, I have reassurances in my home state of Indiana. I've talked to our Secretary of State. Um, I, I know the protections that are in place in order to keep those votes secure and sacred. Um, but there is definitely a, a concerted effort on the part of very radical people from around the world um, who yeah. know the influence of America and who have seen our power and our ability to do good across the world, who don't want that to continue, who want to usurp that power and claim it for their own. And they really are power hungry. Mm. Um, and they see the opportunity uh, here in this country to seize different things, especially when people of faith decide, well, you know, I elected that person. I'm just going to trust them to do their job. And we think it's going to go on autopilot. Uh, one of the things that America has in unique in the, that is unique in the history of the world is the fact that every generation has to be involved and our birthright of freedom comes with a responsibility, a huge responsibility of civic duty. Yeah. And when we don't do that, when we don't do our due diligence and vet the candidates and keep hold them accountable when we expect it to run on autopilot. That's when we're someone else and we're very vulnerable to someone else coming in and taking over the power that should belong to we the people. Yeah. So there is a big question mark about election integrity, about voting integrity. And the thing that we can do best is to actually vo volunteer, uh, be an election poll worker, be a watcher, be involved in that. I remember watching um, the election of 2000 uh, between George W. Bush and Al Gore. Yeah. Uh, the, the decisions came down to Florida and they were counting hanging chads. I remember them <laughs> holding them up to the lights, right? right? Well, my first thought there was, who are those people? Right, right. Who's counting those ballots? Yeah. Somebody volunteered to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. So why can't it be me? Why can't I, I be there counting the ballots and making sure that everything is run properly? Why can't I go up to Detroit and make sure that the ba ballot counting there is done properly? Mm -hmm. um, and it takes we the people, and that's where the power of we the people rests. It's, it's not in the Congress, really, although Congress has its power and the state legislatures have their power, but really we're in charge or we should be in charge. Yeah. And that's what makes us unique. We're, we're, we're definitely you know, in a position where the power is accessible to us, but as if we, you know, allow it to be taken, it will be taken by those who will do evil with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think we're going to be watching a lot more th this time. I mean, we do need eyes on these places because there's some sketchy stuff yeah. going on. And you know what? Look, if, if Joe Biden is 10 million votes more popular than Barack Obama ever was, uh, and, and wins in a landslide and we, we can look at each other and go, no, those votes are valid. Well, then great. Right. We'll just complain about them for another four years. And that's the way it goes. Uh, right. But, I, you know, when you, when you don't know, when you don't know if the outcome's legitimate, that creates a whole level of problems that, and instability that I don't like. So yeah. I, would, I would rather know, hey, uh, uh, my side lost fair and square than, than wonder about it, you know. Well, on the, on the, I think on the local level, it's, um, it's definitely more critical as far as like making sure that you know on the local level who you're voting for. Yeah. Because really, and, and like you said, the other side thinks in generations and we think in elections. We need to think in generations. And so as we elect um, people to school board or to town council, let's vet them. And let's be with them on their journey if they're going to continue running yeah. and let's hold them accountable all the way through and let's plan on being part of their team. 
And that way, um, you know, it, it's going to take a while, but we can have salt and light at the table making those decisions and securing our elections as well. I mean, this this isn't going to be turned around overnight because it wasn't lost overnight. So, and I don't think we've completely lost. I just think we're on the precipice and we're looking down at the ravine and uh, we need all hands to pull us back. Well, yeah, and we, we I, I mean, I would say we have lost on some fronts because our children are now being told that boys can be girls and girls can be right. boys, that boys yeah. can compete in women's boxing and there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm like, and we, we've fueled human trafficking on our, on our southern border, which has hit exactly. Texas hard and, and now is hitting other states. Uh, I don't like human trafficking. Um, and and it was, we've got all sorts of issues, but I, I'm still optimistic because I think there's still a lot of good people in this country and we can turn it around. Um, I'm going to ask you uh, predictions on tonight, but first I want to show your website. This is booksbychristy.org, where you can see the spiritual price of political silence uh, and see some other things from her. So I just want to give you a place to go if you want to follow up on that. Uh, But a good primer, if you're like, man, I think maybe I could be involved in some level, but I don't even know where to start. Pick up her book. It'll, it'll, give you some motivation uh and you can follow her example she did it from nothing i mean we can do this um so (laughs) i iowa tonight and i know like they're all the news people are like it's minus 21 chill you know and yeah Yeah. it's it's miserable out there but i think iowa's used to that what what do you what are you watching or what do you think you might see tonight well, I've talked to people in Iowa, and I tell you, they're very proud of their caucus system. Um, <laughs> and I think they're, you know, I don't mean this in a bad way, but I think they're kind of spoiled with it because they're used to being courted for their votes. Mm. And they really enjoy that part, especially yeah. on the federal level. They like the presidential candidates coming in there and spending their time and their money and their efforts trying to win their votes. So they they pride themselves on vetting the candidates early right there. And I can't believe it's January 15th, but yeah, here we are. Yeah. So. Um, it's going to be an interesting race. Um, it's been a very healthy debate. It's been very spirited. Um, it's gotten ugly some as well. Um, so, but I really, I enjoy watching that Iowa caucus because it's unique in the, in the country as far as how they run it and how they work it. Uh, so, and that's what I love about America. We're all different. We all have our different ways of doing things and Iowa's got theirs. And so it's fun to watch. Uh, same thing with New Hampshire, same thing with South Carolina. They're all unique. They're all different in the way they run it. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, polling can go one way or the other. Sometimes I think the American people, and I probably am guilty of this, like playing with pollsters when they call. Oh, yeah. Not really showing our hand. So you never know what polls are, you know, are actually accurate or not. But it seems all the polls are leaning one way. Uh, But we'll see what the people of Iowa decide. And again, I mean, no matter what Iowa decides, it's going to be a totally different story in New Hampshire. It's a different story in South Carolina and elsewhere. So uh, I I love watching the process and I love watching the people. The people go to work um, as we should and making sure that we're choosing the best uh, way forward for our country and the person who's going to hold our worldview. Yeah. Uh, I view pollsters the way I view weathermen. Like, the closer (laughs) we get to it, the more right you might be, but you never know. (laughs) Never know. You know, you never know. I mean, you know, especially the ones that tell me what it's going to be like, you know, a year from now or even six months. Like, you you don't know. So much change, you don't know. But you know, go ahead and make your predictions. I'll mm, sure. okay. I'll, I'll give you a little yeah. smile. Whatever. Uh, have you guys, uh, you and or your husband, either endorsed any candidates in particular yet? 
yes, my husband has endorsed President Trump okay. uh, for, the, for the election there. Uh, but I tell you, there's a lot of good people in that race, and it's tough. It's tough when you have friends in a race. I and mean, we we were um, disappointed to see Tim Scott drop out. He's mm. a good friend of my husband's, and we really respect him as a Christian yeah. leader yeah. and as a man of faith and principle. Uh, loved seeing him run, and we thought he was very articulate. Uh, so there's there's it's hard it's hard when you have friends running against each other. Yeah, it is, and and yeah, uh, and there are more than one candidate that I like. I, I'm. Do you know, do you have, uh, okay, rabbit trail, I'm going to do it. Um, <laughs> and just, just, you don't have to answer this. There's one candidate in particular uh, who, with these open primaries, there seems to be a lot of Democrats and independents moving in favor of this candidate just to try to prop them up. Do you know what I'm talking about? Are you seeing that? I think so. <laughs> I think so. There's kind of a spoiler in there. I yeah, think that yeah. might cause some problems. Uh, I think the question is on which side the, do the problems happen? Um, it could hurt one or the other side, uh, depending on how it plays out. Um, it's reminiscent of um, George H.W. Bush's, Bush's race and uh, um, the gentleman from Texas who ran, I'm trying to remember his name, uh, but it, it's kind of reminiscent Daddy of Bush? that. Who is it? Daddy Bush. Are you talking about Daddy Bush? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, Ross Perot, he gave us Bill Clinton. Ross Perot. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of a, a spoiler type of thing there. Yeah. Um, those things can happen, you know, and um, there are people that are, you know, running for different motivations other than winning. Um, they're running to, you know, uh, get the word out about things that they think people need to know about. They're running yeah. to make sure this other candidate doesn't win. I mean, the, there's, there's unique motivations in this, in this race, especially this primary. Yeah. And, you know, the Republican party is divided and I'll be the first one to tell you in my book, uh, which is nonpartisan. Uh, there are problems on both sides. Oh gosh. Yeah. Seen them up front and personal and then it's, it ain't pretty. Uh, but at the same time, you've got to decide which side do you, you know, uh, agree with most and which side do you think is uh, the side that you can actually be a part of and try to make a difference with um, who's who's standing for righteousness and who's going to stand for what you what you believe in. So in my book, I include um, excerpts from the different party platforms. Um, I wanted to make sure that I didn't just count on people to go online and look it up because they're like 50 pages long. So. I took some excerpts from both of the platforms and just kind of allowed people to read it for themselves and they can see and those platforms are publicly pr produced. So they're out there. I, you can print them out and you can read where the parties stand and you can decide from there. I think that's one of the best things that you could say. Uh, and I, I would encourage everyone, especially here in the United States, uh, you know, we're in election year when the parties publish their, their platforms, uh, which will come out at the conventions this summer, I believe, and, and some of them are early, but I think it's I think it's official or whatever at that point. I could be wrong, but either way, go read the platforms of both parties. They're very informative, uh, and and no matter what people say, oh, well, this candidate, this candidate. I mean, look, there, there's bad candidates all over the place. Um, I don't care what letters next to their name. I think the call that that Christie is putting out to all of us is if you if you're a godly person, you you need to get involved in whatever level you can. Um, no matter how bad the other people are, that doesn't matter. It's almost like saying, look, Hollywood's terrible, so we shouldn't make Christian movies. Well, no, we should right. make Christian <laughs> movies because we've actually made great progress over the last couple of decades in that regard. We can do the same thing yeah. in, in every area, in the universities. You know, yeah, the universities, 
a lot of them stink right now. I don't, I don't even. I'm a university grad. Three of my four kids have all graduated. But right now, I, I buddy, it's 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 bad out there. So what do you do? Well, you do something good. You don't just curse the darkness. You 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 know you light that that light. Uh, yeah. Light a candle. You know. So um, I, I appreciate your message. Anything you want to let us know before I let you go? I appreciate your time today. By the way. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I, I just encourage everyone to uh, take a look at this book. You know, it's available on my website and uh, and Amazon and ChristianBooks.com and several other places as well. Wherever you find your books, um, it's available. But what I would encourage you to do is you can look at it as a handbook. In the beginning, it gives you a refresher course on America's Judeo-Christian founding, and it gives you resources, original documents, facts that you can actually count on that are real. Uh, you can look it up for yourself. Um, so it gives you that. But then in the middle, it talks about how do we get here? Where, what are the roots of this cultural Marxism that we see and this humanism that's pervading our culture? Mm. Um, and what you know, how did how do we create a culture that has been hijacked and and create it to uh, do good again as well? So that is in the middle talking about where and how do we get here? And then the last part is basically just a practical application of how do you get involved? Where do you start? What do you bring to the table and what's possible? Um, and it's very practical and it's very just kind of like, hey, it's easier than you think and here's the steps to take to do it. So uh, you can use it as a handbook. I've had people doing Bible studies and using it as a supplement. I have people um, doing book studies on it, um, small groups, you know, that are group uh, meeting together that are making a difference in their communities. Uh, so it's it's making a difference and uh, you can just take it and use it however you need to use it. Love it. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for sharing it with our audience today. I appreciate you, your time. Thanks for what you're doing. Christy Chavers Stutzman, The Spiritual Price of Political Science. Silence. I keep silence. Political silence. It's available right now. And uh, most of all, get involved. Let's do something. Let's shine that light in the culture. It's not too late. Appreciate you guys being here. Hit the share button. Hit like, subscribe, follow. And I'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. Be true to what you said on paper.